Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with my co-host Robert. Hello. We have an action-packed, tons of news to talk about this particular episode. Starting off, we have co-host Ray talking about his great wedding this past weekend up in Vegas. Ray, where's Ray? Well, uh, let's see. I think he might have gotten eaten by the warp. Or I remember him talking about how he couldn't make the recording tonight because of some IRL accident stuff blocking his way home. Yeah, the uh, main route between uh, Phoenix and Las Vegas is on fire. And I'm not kidding. Apparently, a fuel truck flipped over during rush hour traffic. They closed the entire highway. And just when the fire department thought, all right, let's move the truck and get it out of here, they didn't realize that the fire was not out and started back up again. So uh, he is stranded, <laughs> luckily, lucky for him, and a little kind of added honeymoon. Uh, so, yes, he did get married over the weekend up in Vegas. It was a planned event. It was not an elopement. Um, they actually had a very nice ceremony up there. And um, so we best of wishes to you, uh, Ray. Congratulations. And uh, hope you get home soon safely. Uh, a little worried about you. But uh, all right. So let's get on to the other big news, Rob. How about that balanced data slate that came out today? We have lots to talk about. So let's go through our notes. I was about to say, wait a minute, it actually came out today? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've been out playing um, against Tyranids and Tau today to actually get practice for the Dallas Open. So I did not know it actually came out. It didn't. <laughs> it did not. All day. You just looked at the screen, and the first thing that comes out is a new uh, Army of Renown, which is uh, very lackluster for Thousand Sons. Uh, gives you a way to basically play a horde of uh, Zangors. And um, it has some opportunity, because you're basically flooding the field with lots of teleporting upset uh, op units with a 5-up invul and a 5-up field up. But I don't think you're going to kill anything. So it's it's... It could could you win games with it? Yes. Would you have a good time with it? Uh, your results may vary. Yeah, it's our one of the Smite Club team members kind of made reference that it it actually pays homage to the old um, list that Jim Vessel and TJ Lanigan used to run in different, slightly different versions, where it was like, here's our plague bearers. They do this. They're this tough. They move around. They do all this stuff, and it's a very kind of janky. Uh, chaosless to say the least, but I mean, it's pure thousand suns, so you have some crazy sidekick stuff, but overall, yeah, no, you don't see Zangors out there except for, huh, I'm gonna go press a button. Oh, I died, I died, right? And that's the thing I was looking at is something maybe as a way of countering it because I was also watching the discussion, you know, how important is morale in ninth edition at this point? Because I was noticing there's some of the morale bonuses between my current army and some of the new stuff that came out that I can bring in into those armies, they can stack some morale bonuses. And I was kind of going, hmm, interesting. So is it worth it? But um, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I have to do the math. I think the reality is probably not. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, but couldn't remember yeah. what the leadership of a Zangor was off the top of my head. <laughs> I know it's not 11 because it's not a custode and it's not 10 because it's not a Necron warrior. So it's at least a six a seven or an eight because I know it's more than a grot. Okay. So it's more than five. Okay. I was just wondering if it was up there in that range. So, Oh, I mean a, a grot's leadership as in Gretchen is leadership four. Okay. <laughs> so I was seriously looking at so some ways that do like a minus four, you know, I was like, okay, minus four with another, uh, I just blanked on what it's called. The second roll you have to make up. You make the morale check, you lose the guy, and then you roll another dice. The attrition Attrition test. test. Thank you. Couldn't remember the name of that. There's other ways to modify the attrition test, and that's the key, I think, is forcing a, a, a panic test. Pretty cool. Forcing the attrition test to be lowered, that's where the real damage comes in. And I think that's mm -hmm. weird. So we'll see what happens as uh, new stuff comes out. But... Um, one of the other new things I saw was, uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but we may have a bug problem on our hands. Oh, yes. So yes, we do. Everybody's been talking about the big bugs, and uh, rightfully so. 
But I was like, you know, my favorite build when I played Tyranids is um, I love to take the Turvagons and then just keep dumping carpet of gaunts across the table. And just lots of fun. It it was never particularly viable. (laughs) That may change. (laughs) Yeah. Um, To give you guys an idea today. My game against Tyranids, uh, against um, a local player, Tyler Hepler. Great guy, super friendly. He's the one um, who are he won Octio Onslaught. Yes, yes, he was. And playing against I because looking at logically, um, the Tyranid Codex is going to be legal for the Dallas Open because it should be dropping at the end of this week, which is before the rules cutoff date. And as far as I can tell, they're probably not going to axe the Crusher Stampede. So we agreed to let him play a list in Crusher Stampede. And Maliceptors are too cheap for what they are. They went from being, oh, I'm a brain bug that does a minus one strength aura to... I now can potentially put out nine mortal wounds and not even cast an offensive spell at you. Have fun. Lovely. <laughs> it Tyranids are going to be, it's another instance of, they're going to be an incredibly strong army off the, off the launch pad. It, there's going to be a lot of people that feel bad because if it's a big bug, it's probably toughness eight. If it's a flying big bug, it's probably toughness seven. Um, so generally, again, you need to bring big guns to kill big bugs. If it's Crusher Stampede, it makes it a little harder. But it's not an unbeatable game. You you do have to approach it a little differently in the fact that they have several different ways of having their entire army get certain buffs. Um, Like for instance, there was some psychic powers that they could do, which was based off that you could actually chain off of other models through synapse. So yeah, it's, you have to be a little weary of instead of big bugs charge forward and eat things. It's they're flexible. Now they're not one trick ponies. Although every node is probably the size of an anvil. <laughs> right. Which is actually, it's good. It's one of those things where it's great for that army because it's one of the things where Synapse was basically a fearless bubble. It was like, hey, big deal. And then, as I was alluding to earlier with my favorite list, I just shoot the Turbagons and you can't breathe anymore. Now you just have a bunch of gaunts and they, they died at you know, flypaper. And uh, so now they have multiple functions for a lot of their units. You, The craziness, uh, any army where you can adapt prior to the game you're not locked into your list building choices is extremely powerful and they have that in the game so I guess the last thing I say is when you read the Goonhammer review and Goonhammer says we're not even going to talk about this Crusher Stampede because the book is already awesome without it and they're scared of what you can do with this Crusher Stampede <laughs> gives you an inkling that yeah we're going to have a bug problem and call an exterminator fast so you said, okay, there are ways to deal with them. So you mentioned a lot of T7, sounds like, not as much T8. So, um, so like, for instance, um, the Hive Tyrant, uh, they revealed this through several Work Harms articles and whatnot. The Hive Tyrants, if they're walking, are Toughness 8. If they are flying, they are Toughness 7. Um, and then stuff like Turvagons... Maliceptors, Exocrines, Haruspexes. Every single actual large monster is now Toughness 8. Wow. Essentially. Uh, except for a few outlier cases, maybe. Like, I can't remember if Carnifexes got bumped up to T8 or not. But Carnifexes now have a 3-up armor save. Yeah, I'll look that up because they did show their profile. And they also still so, have the deployed them, and then they split apart thing. Yeah. So, at that point, it's you could conceivably someone show up with something like maybe six Carnifexes, um, a couple of hero duels, a hive tire. It's not a very effective list and it gets really expensive really fast, but it is definitely a actual contender bringing just so many wounds to the table 
that you don't care about doing actions at all. You can literally just table your opponent and take shots. Um, I, I do see the initial strength of the book. That it was the same kind of reaction that I had when I first decided to go into combat with your Harlequins, Eric. Where I was like, they have how many? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they do this thing? Uh, like a, a Maliceptor that I, I got into combat with. Because I, w- I got in, into combat with the Malanthrope, but I also had Paul on the Maliceptor. Uh, the Maliceptor has three attacks. They hit on threes. They are strength 10. AP enough to force a custode to their invuln, And they are 2d3 damage. So it's not a D3 plus 3, it's literally 2D3 damage, so they can either have really high or really low damage. <sighs> um, but that Maliceptor got really lucky and killed two jet bikes on his own. This is... Wow. Okay. So it's... it's again, it's not an unbeatable army. There are things that they did, so that way it was a... oh they have a chance to fail certain things like how, for instance, the minus one strength strat on a Maliceptor is no longer a stratagem. It is apparently a psychic action that they specifically get to use. And we all know that if you use a psychic action, you don't get to cast psychic powers. So at that point, it's a dice roll that they can potentially fail. And if it doesn't go off, like it did for one turn in Tyler's situation. Um, in that turn, I was able to take a hero duel from full health to dead uh. between shooting at him and my fight phase. Hmm. So the minus one strength is only against range stuff. So yeah, it makes things like salvo launchers and other strength eight guns wound most big bugs on fives because it essentially acts as a minus one to wound. But things like add mech cognis last cannons, um, the Caladius's heavy blaze cannons. Do Drakari have anything that's strength nine? They do on the uh, void Raven bombers. They're uh, void lances or strength nine. And at first that's mm-hmm. my first gut I went to. And I'm thinking, that's a lot of points for four guns that have, you know, four shots. So I'm thinking going the opposite route and mm-hmm. uh, loading up with venoms and just go um, all on poison. So I'm, I don't care what your toughness is. I'm wounding you in threes. Because you also do the plus one for poison wounding stuff. I was going to switch over to um, the cabal. The, I can't remember off the top of serpents. Uh, I'm going to lose my Trakari membership card here. Uh, <laughs> I believe it is poison tongue. Poison tongue. Yeah, they have a th- they have a their special ability is poison weapons are uh on a plus one. So they would wound up three ups instead of four ups. Yeah, so at that point against non vehicles, that's your answer. Right. So yeah, it's it's definitely not an unbeatable game. It is just gonna take a little it's gonna take a lot of adjustment. So like how dealing with Harlequins, you're gonna have to adjust playing them, um, adjusting to Tau. It's as long as you are able to mold your answer to whatever army you're going into, it will be a rough road until you get that answer. But you are able to actually win games. So the question I've got at this point, because it's one of the things that might be just a product of our local meta. So like I said, my shift would be, so like my most recent list, I took something out that would normally be the orc buggy killers. And mm-hmm. now I've got three venoms with Gabalite warriors. So the idea is I'm double downing on uh, poison weapons. And like I said, I switched from black art to Kabbalah uh, poison tongue. But then you got, you still have, all right, the Harlequin mess. I still think volume of fire over anything. Cause you, it doesn't really matter with all their invol saves you just they're all one wound models to do your best and you should be able to mow them down but uh, there's still a lot of work that's easier said than done especially if they're uh can't be shot if you're more than 12 inches away and they can also scoot back six inches if you try to charge them uh, well aware of that and um 
Okay, here it is, breaking news. So a new card effects these days is T7, nine wounds went up uh, an actual wound, and it has a two-plus save now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at that point, it's uh, when you look at Tyranids and Harlequins as two different sides of the coin, where Tyranids have all of the high toughness, high wounds, right. good armor saves, and Harlequins are the tissue paper that's surprisingly made out of aluminum. Yeah. <laughs> um, and is incredibly sharp. You look at that coin and you just go, um, well, how do I answer both of these things? And using Custodes as an example, well, my answer to Harlequins is I bring more Hurricane Bolters. I bring anything that can give me more dice. Like um, Lastrum Stormbolters on Aqualon Custodes. Venatari with their exploding sixes on their pistols. That kind of thing. But then I look at the opportunity cost of bringing stuff like that and going, but my bikes get Savo Launchers. Those are my answers to Tyranids. Yeah, I'm kind of going back and forth on this because um, it's with the same boat. Because I, mean, I added Harlequins to my list more because the Harlequin players simply, by ignoring Invols, I was like, okay, that could be a viable answer against Custodes. And the Void Weavers, because I was playing with Dark. So the idea was that now they're minus three AP with all the Harlequin weapons. I'm definitely forcing your Invol saves, and then for two command points. You have no invul save, and then for another two command points, I'm boosting up to damage three. So every wound, I think you're saving a lot out of five plus, six plus, and then that should eliminate a character, eliminate a model. Yeah, because um, if you get a high enough AP against a custode, we go from a two up save to at least a five with high AP weapons like power swords. Um, if we have a shield, we go to a f- we go back to a four up, but whoop de diddly do. Right. You're still taking away our invuln, and the invuln is how we survive most things, like um, getting shot by venom cannons, <laughs> venom cannons, um, dark lances, last cannons, whatever. I, I my, in my game against Tau with another local guy, I'm um, Donovan Salo. Um, he had one shooting phase where all of his broadsides shot into my big four-man bike squad. He got six hits and then only got two wounds. Insult to injury. I made both invulns and I made both feel no pains <laughs> for the mortal wounds. So it was a... <laughs> you got super good and then nothing happened. Right. There's another one. So I'm looking at like Tau. Um, you know, look at the good news is crisis suits at least don't have the vehicle keyword, so there's still some ways to get around that. But again, I, again, I'm trying to balance out the tools I bring to defeat custodes. Do you know are they competitive into Tyranids, the new form? I guess. I mean, at this point, as of this recording, Void Weavers are still completely unchanged, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I do have. Three of them, real ones, not Star Weavers with magnetized. I, I didn't know I had three of them. I was like, oh, cool. Uh, Far Cry from nine, but I have a feeling that's what's going to happen after the uh, data slate. They'll be back to you know one one per squad. And then I look at the Tau. I'm like, okay, how am I going to beat them? And so it's it's. I don't know if every Codex has the all comers list to deal with those combos at this point. Yeah, no, that is definitely an issue with a lot of things. Um, like to be honest, custodes don't have the answers to everything because we literally don't have the bodies to bring all the answers. So if we want to answer Harlequins, we lose two things like Tyranids. Um, if we want to answer things like Tyranids, we lose to things like Tau and Harlequins. Right. And then you look at something like Necrons. Necrons legitimately don't have an answer to Tyranids outside of, oh, here's my Silent King, here's my here's my Catan, like, here's Mortal Wound output things, which uh, is... Well, it looks something up while you say that. Hold on. Keep going. <laughs> well, the only reason why I mentioned the Silent King is because the Silent King 
his two big subwoofer guns that do a flat six damage or something like that. They're they're able to be affected by the stratagem that says, "Oh, when you roll to hit, you can spend a you can spend you can use a stratagem to make it automatically wound." So at that point, you get your two sh- big shots. You roll one, and it hits. You set that to the side. You roll the second one. It hits. You can spend your strat to make that second one do automatically wound, and then you don't have to worry about is rolling the wound on the first one. Got it. So that's where it's it's guaranteed damage against something like Tyranids or Harlequins, that kind of thing. But I mean, mortal wounds are just the overall answer to everything. If you can put out mortal wounds like psychic armies can, um, as long as they get a good phase, then you'll be able to answer anything that you want as long as your as long as your placement is correct. But something like orcs, orcs are such a swingy army that you can't guarantee an answer out of them. Yeah, but still, I mean, I have not solve the, the puzzle that is orcs, specifically the Speed Freaks army. Like, I know, pick up the bikes as early as you can, so you take away OBSEC, but my army just does not have enough anti-tank to deal with orcs. And that's one of the things where I'm like, oh, am I over compensating for them? And then I see, like, oh, this, all the other high toughness stuff is coming, so if I can tech for Tyranids, I might be, because if they're all T8, if I remember right, most of the buggies are T7 with Ramshackle, so I should be. They are toughness 6 with Ramshackle. Are they? Okay. So actually, <laughs> this might work then. I'm looking at my old friend, Mr. Annihilation Barge, and I'm trying to remember what he was in 9th edition. And he's uh, 36 inch range, heavy 10, strength 7. Uh, he's AP0, though. That could be the problem. And he does have the Tesla roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, if you're like if you're looking at something in Necrons for answering things, you would want to bring something like um, Do- Canoptic Doomstalkers or Doomsday Arcs, which have the high, the super high strength, really high AP, and potential high damage at long range. But problem is, they both need line of sight. Oh, good point. And they are incredibly hard to hide because of how large they are. The heat ray on a track stalker strength eight. It's not bad. All right, we're just gonna spitball in here. We'll come up with a but um interesting. Yeah, now otherwise it just to sum it all up, if you're going if you're going to continue playing do your best to take all the information from the internet and from what anyone else talks about. Because most of this, most of it's gonna sound like doom and gloom, like "Oh my god, this is so terrible!" and blah 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 blah. Don't take it as a be all end all thing. Take it as just another source of information and just extra data. Because people would rather enjoy the game being a problem solver rather than being a naysayer. Because that's actually how you have good games: is you you have people find the answer and. That's the challenge of the game. It's part of the fun of the game, too. Uh, I mean, back in 5th edition, the, the horror that was the Grey Knight Dreadnought, Rifleman uh, Dreadnought, and that it had two heavy three guns on it. Oh, my God. So times have changed. <laughs> yeah, you know, the game fluctuates and changes, and the good news is it's changing a lot faster. You know, you're getting... You know, while we're talking about this, uh, we're, what, two weeks away from... Imperial Knights and Chaos Knights coming back to the game. Yep, I got <laughs> hobby project. Um, I have a Dominus that I completely built on my table, uh, aka a Castellan. Oh, uh, I just need a great unclean one, and then I also need a. I believe I need either a Poxbringer or one of the other special Nurgle demon characters. Hmm. What are you up to? <laughs> Art brain stuff. Hmm. Interesting. Actually, well, I was cleaning up some things. Now that I was, we've kind of got a direction how we're going with terrain. It's like stuff that I was saving for a uh, 
a potential project of like, I do not need these supplies anymore. I found, and this is how bad my pile of shame is, I found that I actually still have a Forge World Chaos Knight. Remember, like, Ooh. when Forge World had, like, you buy the extra armor that glues on top of a regular Imperial Knight before they had the plastic <laughs> Chaos Knights? Mm-hmm. I have one of those. So I'm like, hmm, maybe it's time to bring this out of storage. <laughs> <laughs> If I didn't want tails on every single one of my knights, I'd probably try to take it from. Oh, me. I know but... it's. There's gonna be a lot of conversions. Like I still have a, the head of what's the big minotaur thing from fantasy? It's like a cygor or something like that. Uh, there's the cygor or the. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's a cygor. Yeah, because there's two different models for that one. I bought that for a conversion. And so I still have the Minotaur head, so I'm going to put that on it. And I still have a whole bunch of like Forge Fiend parts, so I'm going to put the weapons for that. So I'm going to, it's going to be sufficiently chaos and try to make it look as much um, demon, you know, demon engine as possible. So I'll be excited. Yeah. So you and I are on the same page because, yep. yep, my that great and clean one is getting turned into a poncho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gross. Big flesh poncho. Ah, <laughs> nasty. And then, and then there's going to be one for a Zinch, and then one for a Slanesh, and then one for a Corn, and then somewhere down the line, someone's going to be the winner of being Kit Bash at Bellicor. But that's pretty cool, actually. You know, it'd be kind of neat. I don't. Know, one of my favorite parts of uh, the X Men was the uh, Sentinels. I don't know if you remember those. These mm-hmm. are the robots that they. Yeah, the the big stompy robots right. and why not? Yeah. So as the plot line continued, they would specifically develop stompy robots to kill specific heroes. So they had all like the the built like for example Magneto's like oh, another stompy robot. Let me show you what the master of magnetism will do, and then they'll show like um, the robot going non ferrous alloy material <laughs> shows impervious. Uh, to mutant powers, termination estimated in 47 seconds. I was like, oh my god! And then later on, they would paint themselves to look like the heroes they killed. And I was like, wouldn't that be cool to have like a chaos knight? And he's like d- wearing like a banner from some sort of imperial chapter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's depending on... Actually, as long as I don't throw out the head of the Castellan because I need to figure out how to green stuff the great and clean one's head into the carapace. Um, the, as long as I still have that head, I'll put it together, and then someone with a Thunderstrike gauntlet can carry it. <laughs> That's a cool idea. So yeah, the, 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 neat, the neat thing like I did on my um, Gazgul, I have a little uh, Gretchen on Gazgul's base looking like he's going to walk up and fix Thraka. <laughs> um, nah, I have a I have a random skull taker and a um, herald, a um, a herald of corn, like the master of blood or whatever. So on each of the bases, matching demon to knight, I'm probably going to have like a a herald or a named demon character on the base and be like, yeah, no, this is like army on parade. We're we're going full hog. Yep. <laughs> But anyway, Sounds this cool. is not a hobby podcast. This is a competitive podcast. Well, Gosh darn it. You got to win. If we just speak competitively about you know, We haven't had a good. We used to have that pretty much quarterly. We got to bring that back is the competitive side of painting, you know, and appearance scores. So we used to talk about that a little bit. We'll come back to that in another episode. Today's not the day. Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. But we did want to talk about some of the competitive action from this past weekend. We're going to change up our format a little bit, uh, rattling off the top five from random tournaments around the world. Uh, kind of got away from our core, which was to focus on players and innovators. As Robert eloquently put earlier, that uh, the, always look for the guys that are coming with the new ideas, and then um, they'll become the internet darlings because everybody steals their idea. <laughs> but uh, So we're going to focus on a couple highlighted players who uh, did something interesting over the past weekend. There were several events, a lot of team events as well as looking over the roster. But uh, Robert, who'd you pick for this week? 
Well, I, as much as I would want to talk about um, Ryan Snyder with his, with the fact that we're both using custodes this season, I think we're going to go visit an, like a fan favorite, um, Mr. Colin Sherman. There we go. It's charity hammered himself. Seen, yep. We haven't, I, I've listened to what is now the best in tabletop podcast for a while now. And Colin's a great guy and he's very straightforward with his things. Now he's been, he's really, he's a really competitive guy, but also really cheerful. So he is a big fan of Eldar. So I've never looking at his list. um, There's not a single clown here. And he won the affectionately named tournament of Tau Tipping. <laughs> That's a good name. So, so like, uh, so looking it over, he has two fire prisms. He has two units of howling banshees. Um, he has a minimum unit of rangers. He has Baharoth, which is the swooping hawks phoenix lord, I believe. He is, and he's also known as the uh, mobile, the uh, living artillery unit right now. <laughs> Mm, okay i'll have to look over his stuff because i have the codex here at home Um, i'll give you the short version he has the ability to come in from deep strike when he jumps down he drops his grenade pack and then at the end of the turn he can go back into deep strike so he keeps popping in and out and drops bombs on your guys and because he's a uh, phoenix lord he can also uh he's got enough ability to hold an objective if he needs to and i forgot there's a way uh I have to look at the book exactly how you can do it but there's a way he can achieve objective secured as well yeah because i know um talking with our our buddy um daniel all of us um i believe it's the phoenix lords give each of their respective aspect warriors objective secure so like malgan Ra would give obsec to dark reapers Correct. and stuff like that yep. okay um and all and by fyi this is all ulthway so he also has a wave serpent he has two units of three support weapons all of them with shuriken catapults and shadow weaver whatever that weapon is oh either way that's okay either way that's 270 points of just support weapons <laughs> Uh, he has one unit of warp spiders. He has a five man unit of shining spears. Um, he has a unit of warlock sky runners. It's um, three power level 60 points. Okay. So I think that's just like one warlock sky runner. Um, yep. He has a unit of dire Avengers, another unit of Rangers, a far seer sky runner and Eldred. Yeah, looking at those support pl- so we got the support platforms which give them all that indirect fire. Um, six of them is quite a bit. And trying to remember if he had the Rangers. They have I was just reading it today. They have some sort of crazy um, resonator orb ability. It's a stratagem that allows them to reroll hits for those particular weapons. So that's pretty mm-hmm. nasty. Uh, the shining spears. Um, I don't. They've always been crappy models, but but they really do did well, especially in the age of uh, Anari when they first came out. They're no joke in this new book. Um, it's interesting how he's got, I have to look at what Expert Lancers does, but uh, they're definitely a charge. And what the, what makes him unique from any other biker unit from, from the Eldari is that they can shoot all their weapons from the bike and the rider. It's, it was it's mm-hmm. where every other biker, for some reason, has pistols, so they can only shoot one or the other, and then they're nasty in combat, specifically on the charge. Yeah, and looking at the Shining Spheres unit, it's 205 points for the five of them, and it's probably because of the fact that the Exarch is a little more expensive, because I think the Exarch actually doesn't come included in the unit anymore. I think that's a weird like building thing, like you don't have to take an Exarch. I don't know. That's something I'll have to read through the book again, but it lists him completely separate, just like how you would list a sergeant separately in a space marine unit. I think they're included, but buying them a power is what costs now. And they are very expensive. They're like 20 to 30 points easily. So I'm looking at Howling Banshees. They all have Exarchs, but they have um, uh, different powers. And that's what's really driving up the costs. But I could be wrong. I have to look it up as well. I don't remember off the top of my head. There was a time when you didn't have to include the Exarch. 
Yeah. And the fact that he only has two fire prisms um, means that, because I know the fire prisms still have a stratagem that uses three to interact and whatnot. Uh, so that means he must value the individual firepower of each fire prism. Cause I know the stratagem does essentially the same thing it used to do where it takes away the shooting of two of them and shoves them all inside of a single fire prism. I'll look that one up for you. I believe it's any number now. I don't think it's specifically three anymore, but, um, and that I think that's one of the issues is that, um, the cost of the fire prisms, it's like, good luck getting three of them into your list. Yeah, because they're 170 points per fire prism. So by math, that's exactly two salvo launcher Virtus Praetors per fire prism. Yep. Here it is. Linked fire. Use the stratagem. At the start of your shooting phase, select one fire prism from your army, then select one or two other friendly fire prisms within 12 inches and visible to that model. Uh, within the, the next phase, each time the first fire prism you selected shoots, using the focus lance uh, profile, that model shoots two additional attacks with that weapon for each other fire prism you selected, and invulnerable saves cannot be taken against. So yeah, he's taking the bare minimum so he can launch this, um, uh, this stratagem, and the fact that one of them doesn't even need to be visible, as long as I can see the other mm -hmm. fire prism, it's sort of a, a weird way of getting indirect fire again. Yeah, and because of the fact that it goes through invulns is a really good answer to, obviously, Custodes. It's an answer to Harlequins. It's an answer to Tyranids. Like, everything that would have an invuln, uh, you just don't freaking matter. <laughs> and from what we know so far, it could be an answer for knights before they come. You know, they might be, you know, we don't know what other nifty stuff they've got, but based on the old method of how they did ion shields, which was just an invuln save, that could be the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm very happy for Colin Sherman um, coming out and winning his first ninth edition event. As far as I know, I don't think he's won any other ninth edition events at this time. People can yell at me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but um, no, I'm still glad Colin was able to come out and actually win an event. Yeah. We got to get him back on the show. We had him on the show Super Bowl Sunday of this year. We have to bring him back on. It'll be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And this is, I'm, I'm hogging the spotlight here for a second here, Eric, but I'm um, Greg Chamberlain at the imps gaming, April GT. He came in first place with Gene Steeler cult. You know, Gene Steeler cult is one of those armies. It's got such a high ceiling, but man, it is not an easy army to play. And I think that's what scares the Dickens between that and the high cost. I mean, you're buying a ton of models and I still think there, there's well, people have not understood just how powerful that army is. Yeah, I, scrolling through his list, he has an abominant, he has a nexus, he has an acolyte icon word, he has a magus, and then it goes into one, two, three, four units of well, three units of acolyte hybrids, all with mixtures of like different guns, but all of them have blasting charges. Uh, and then he has one gigantic brick of 20 neophyte hybrids with four blasting charges and four seismic cannons. <laughs> uh, and then, oh man, he brought back Muscle Beach. There you go. He has, he has 10, 20, 30 aberrants. <laughs> does he really? Wow. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> and then he has a biophagus. He has a Keller Morph. He has a single unit of 10 pure strange gene sealers and then two units of a couple of jackals. Interesting, because it's definitely one from what I was been told by some other high level players, the way Gene Steeler cult wins is they have so many cheap throwaway units that they can out action you. Like they'll get all their actions done by turn three. So fun if you table them. <laughs> you're, mm -hmm. you're already down um, so many points and, and they can also with the blips and all the coming in and out of reserves and, and whatnot that they can also just harass you off of primaries. So it's like, you, there, there may not be much left, but they've already won the game. 
his arm seems to totally skew it to go the other direction. It's like, I can hit you harder than anything on the, on the table. Uh, that's very interesting. Yeah, like it, the, the three units of Acolyte Hybrids, all of them are essentially bare bones because they are five models a piece. Mm-hmm. But they none of them go more than 70 points. Yeah, that's what I'm more used to is like 15 of those, you know, just spread across and max them out. These big blocks that you said there, like, really? Wow, interesting. Yeah. So, like, obviously, like, thinking of the one or two games of Gene Caesar Cult that I've been able to see, obviously, these aberrants start off the table. Because, legitimately, by actual rules of reserves, these three units are the only thing that you can put into reserves because that is 300, 615. 930 points. There you go. <laughs> so, any more points, you'll go way above 50%. And they're also each like 15 or 16 power level. <laughs> yeah, that's some crazy stuff. Yeah, that might be a little bit of restricting. But then again, remember that a Gene Sealer player has got um, all the blips so they can hide them that way to not actually deploying them until you know, the bottom of turn one. There's some other ways around that. And uh, so it's kind of interesting just the way that whole list is built. Yeah. It's it's refreshing to see something that isn't a clown or a janitor <laughs> or a or a mech suit with a whole bunch of guns on it in in the top place. Cause looking at the rest of the event, um Steven Platten also brought Gene Sizzler Colt and he came in second. What? What is, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was Gene Steeler Colt, Gene Steeler Colt, Tyranids, Tyranids, then Custodes. Well, lore-wise, I would not want to be on this planet. <laughs> yeah, no, no one would be on this planet. Like, like the Custodes were the last ones to leave. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrible. <laughs> but no, it's, it's just incredibly refreshing. Like, in the top 10 of the Imps Gaming April GT, um, in tenth place, we have Necrons. It is interesting. And then Tau, and then Sisters, and then Tau again, and then Dark Eldar in sixth place. Yeah, remember them? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's extremely refreshing to see different armies coming into the foray with people that are solving an issue by doing something different. They're not beating their heads against a wall like I am. <laughs> And it's tough. It's, it's, you got to really have to do your homework because you, you'll run into quite a few that the world is ending type doomsayers before you get some meaningful advice. So, And what about you, Eric? So two players, one, one I'll just do a real quickie. Um, a fellow internet content provider, uh, Danny McDevitt, you may recognize him not as a Pennsylvania realtor, but indeed as the co-host of Grim After Dark. And uh, and it's interesting, he's always introduced as, because he does need some introduction, is the terror of the mid-tables. Well, he's terror mid-tables no longer. Uh, he too was at Tau Tipping, finished second uh, to Colin Sherman, going 4-1 and one with Tau. So I thought that was interesting that um, all that hard work and practice is uh, taking over. So good to see him uh, bounce out besides that. And um, also like to see him get out for an event. Second person, though, is I was remiss uh, last year when we uh, talked about um, Matt Laura uh, coming in second at uh, LVO. And we're like, who the hell is Matt Laura? Well, he is proving very quickly that his second place finish at LVO was no fluke. And I was very much intrigued by his list as well. And uh, also going back to the Eldar, which seems to be the new hotness at the moment, but then a little bit different feel as well. And it's very similar to um, Colin's list. So give me one moment here as I pull this up. Other thing also was very intrigued by is the tournament we were talking about here is the Battle to End Alzheimer's, which is near and dear to my heart since I actually work at a memory care community and have to see that on a day-to-day basis of not only how that afflicts uh, the those who are stricken by the disease, but also the families uh, with it as well. So it's nice to see a fundraiser and nice to see the powers of war gaming be used for good. But back to Matt's list. Let's get back on the table. Also an Ulthway list, uh, also including Eldrad, which is seeing a lot more of him. Uh, he's just incredibly powerful. Uh, Farseer with Guide and Doom, and then Weeping Stones, which gives him an extra relic. 
and then also has two units of rangers uh one unit dire avengers with the stand firm ability which sounds like some sort of protest movement but no it makes it very handy that the dire avengers who are incredibly shooty can shoot and still perform an action and uh which uh while shooting without losing that action so it's very handy as well unit of fire dragons uh five strong unit of sky runners well sky runners excuse me and these guys are handy as well because now you can do your psychic uh actions and uh zip along without having to really worry about uh losing uh any actions because that was always the problem is if you're doing the psychic actions you can't actually cast anything the next turn so they have ways of getting those things back two units of five warp spiders two wave serpents which are of course uh albatory bahara which we already talked about in great length another unit of rangers another unit of howling banshees striping scorpions so it's a nice uh, one-two punch howling banshees are definitely more your i'm going to kill you with a thousand paper cuts and i'm going to do it by running across the table and then striking scorpions are much more the i'm going to sneak up behind you and hit you with a lot harder but the nice thing I think about striking scorpions is after they hit you in the mouth, they can actually hold that objective for a little while. Shining spears. This is something I've been looking at. I actually been toying with the crazy idea of an Anari list. I know they're terrible. And uh, so part of me is just like, whenever I'm told Anari are bad, I'm like, hold my beer. And this unit is one of the reasons why uh, three man unit of shining spears. You've got the X arc unlike Collins list with a heart strike and the Paragon saber. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, Heart Strike is one of the Exarch abilities. And I want to believe that uh, it is on a 5-up. They inflict mortal wounds <laughs> to wound. So if my phone will cooperate, I can actually pull up the codex. Yeah. And the last unit right at the end of the list is a 10-man unit of Swooping Hawks. Yeah. So they're obsec with Kazabarhawk in the list. And yeah, because I know between the Howling Banshees and the Striking Scorpions, that's a really solid melee combo because obviously the Howling Banshees can't be overwatched. So you can send them in first and then Striking Scorpions come in and the Striking Scorpions are probably the ones to actually wipe out the unit rather than the Banshees. Yeah, they're sneaky as all hell. And then I'm trying to look at Striking Scorpions. He did not outfit them with any special abilities. And yeah, no, just the biting blade, and yep. but that's what he normally comes right. with on the X arc. So, so I did find it here the heart strike ability. Each time a unit with shining spears with this X arc yep. model makes an attack an unmodified wound roll a five up and flicks a mortal wound onto the target and just to any normal damage. So, that's for the whole unit. I was just like, oh, okay. And then the um guy in charge there has got a paragon blade which also adds a lot of fun to the party of course if i can find it <laughs> yeah no, a, a lot of eldar trickery is what i'm hearing yeah it's pretty good oh, of course it's really it's good. under the paragon blade not just the paragon blade <laughs> i love your games workshop <laughs> i mean it has to be a the because it's the paragon saber now we just lost it again. Ah. Yep. But yes, um, like I said earlier, how refreshing it is to see different things. The fact that Aldar is starting to take events from things, as much as I don't like space elves, is nice to see. It is pretty cool to see something new and different. And... Um... I, mean, I think as strong as some of the older codecs were in their time, they're like, oh, they've, they've kind of fallen off. Go back and read them again, is what I, it's, we were kind of talking about earlier. I had, Even, yeah, okay, I'm playing Drakari. Uh, that was the scourge of all of last year. There's, you know, now I'm not ready to give up that throne anytime soon. <laughs> so that's one of the things I kind of look at that and I go, okay, what other tools do I have in this toolbox? And I'm starting to find, uh, you know, quite a few other nifty things that are like, maybe, maybe I can. Yep. The, um, like the custode toolbox is very much a, well, I'm out of options in my normal book. Let's go look at Forge World. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So there might be a chance that, um, to answer the Tyranids coming back through, 
stuff like Telemons might come back on the table because Telemons are really good at punching big bugs. And they might come back on. Also, the uh, what was the big tank that you guys had for a long time? That was the one that Jeff Robinson made popular. Oh, that was the Caladius Grav Tank. That one sees play every now and again because of the fact that it it flies 14 inches. It has six shots of strength six from a little bolter. Um, and then the big gun it can take can is strength nine AP high enough for you to die or have an invuln. And it's D3 plus three damage for little to no points difference. So I found found the Paragon Saber. Uh, additional attack with this weapon, but each time a, you get a, a free reroll that uh, to attacks and wounds. So you can start fishing for those sixes, actually those fives, to get additional mortal wounds on the XR. Mm, okay. So that's pretty nasty stuff there. So overall, um, a neat list and uh, a great job uh, not only winning the event, but also supporting a great cause. So really cool to see that. Yep, it is definitely refreshing because I know like Colin Sherman, big with Charity Hammer, and he, that one goes to it's not Toys for Tots, is it? It is play something, but basically it is. Remember the cause is more than the name of it, and basically it supplies toys to children in the children's hospital in this local area. That's right. That's what it is don't remember the name of the actual charity, but it's um, a really noble cause. And um, it's a big deal. Uh, if you ever had a child in a, in a hospital setting, especially for any length of time, it, it, there's only so much TV you can watch. It's, it's so, it, and you can only carry so much car, you know, stuff with you into the hospital room. So um, it's kind of nice to have those little extra things to do that there. Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy. The boxes help protect your models. And if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the External House Podcast. All right, it is time for the our standings. They've, uh, the ICC top 10 has very much changed quite a bit over the last two weeks. So just give you an idea where people are, and uh, we've got a little more information, a little more depth, and this is something we'll see in future episodes as well. We'll start off number 10, James Marston, otherwise known as Cyclops. Um, he was formerly the number one player just three weeks ago, and uh, it's taken a bit of a tumble uh, playing Necrons, interesting enough. So... Uh, he was able to put up six winning events with Necrons, so clearly he knows something the rest of us don't know about Necrons. So I'm curious to see. We'll be looking at some of his lists in the future. Ninth place with Tyrion is, is Joseph Gillespie. Uh, most notably, he came in sixth at the Cherokee Open. Eighth place is Nathaniel Borge, also playing Custode, so maybe someone you want to fanboy over there, Robert. <laughs> Uh, not not fanboy research <laughs> research of course you might want to start with his number three finish at clutch city uh gt seventh place uh brandon weiss with tau uh, most notably he was the ninth player at adepticon sixth place also a former number one in the itc quinton johnson takes a bit of a tumble down the sixth place uh with tau and he was the runner up at the cherokee open for all you frontline gaming uh, event followers. Ryan Snyder, who uh, Robert mentioned earlier, comes in in fifth place, also playing Custodes. He finished eighth at the Cherokee Open. Had a bit of a stumble coming in 40th place at Adepticon, but uh, seems to have rebounded this past weekend in an RTT. Going across the pond now, uh, the Europeans are dominating the top uh, slots here. Mike Porter from Liverpool. Uh, Custode, I should know he's from Liverpool. I know he's a Liverpool fan. I should say that. I'm not sure where he's actually from. He's been playing a mishmash of Custodes and more recently picking up Harlequins. And he actually won the the last summer wine, wind, wine hammer event 
So it sounds like a very uh, posh event out on the countryside. Uh, Thomas Ogden, one of the few Americans in the top five, uh, also with Tao, came in third at Adepticon. Second place, Matt Robertson. Uh, he is British. He's been playing a mishmash of Tyranids and Harlequins over the last couple of weeks and came across the pond, came to Chicago, and came in second at Adepticon. And then your number one for this week, Manny Chima. So uh, what faction is Manny Chima playing this week? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. He's pretty much played them all so far this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but clicking on, clicking on his record, first it was Harlequins, and then it was Cult Mechanicus, and then it was Harlequins, and then it was Harlequins again, and then it was Tyranids, and then it's like Discustodes. Like, yeah, love him or hate him. I mean, he is an innovator and he has a passion for the game. I mean, just talking to him just brings a smile to your face. So it's it's fun to see him back on top. And um, last, most recently, he was also the top player at the 40K London, uh, looks like the February version of their particular circuit there. So he has done quite a bit uh, to stay on top. More locally, we are going to feature two of the local circuits around here. We'll start with one of the more popular ones in the Midwest, the Lord Marshall series. Your top 10 looks something like this. In 10th place, Mycroft Holmes with 443 points. 9th place, Kyle McCord. 8th place, Tim Royers. 8th place from Goomhander fame, Kyle Thompson. 6th place uh, from Flying Monkey, uh, Bam Bam Hunter. 5th uh, place, Jeffrey Husser. 4th place, John and. Delicate. I hope I pronounced that right, John. Uh, third place, Chris Campbell. I think I nailed that one. Second place, Cam Hawkins. And in first place, Dan Sammons uh, with 553 points. Also locally here, to, let's go over our Rattler Cup standings, which, of course, was the one screen that closed out on me. <laughs> Not much has changed since the uh, Scorched Earth Open. We'll be looking at a few new events as they come down the pike. Here we go, stats. Yeah, I know. It's like da da da. <laughs> yeah, and to put it simply, Eric, mm-hmm. no matter how much I searched on BCP or the the ITC rankings, I can't find whatever yeah, like gonna, has these stats. <laughs> we're going to be posting this over on a. a we're going to starting our own Facebook page for this because I found that out as well. So in tenth place, Chris Geisler. Uh, ninth place, Henry Gridley. Uh, eighth place, oh not this bum, Robert Her. Oh my god. <laughs> Because <laughs> Corn wants it. Uh, seventh place, Derek Page. Sixth place, Terry Kyle. Uh, fifth place, Ali Hung. Uh, fourth place, Apollo Chang. Third place, Donovan Salo. Uh, second place, Tyler Hepler. And still in first place, Lee Harris. So we'll be seeing some changes as the uh, more events roll down the pike. We have a couple scheduled coming up. If you would like your circuit featured on the Exterminatus podcast, uh, send us a link. Uh, obviously, not through BCP. We're having a tough time finding those, but I'll uh, be more than happy to uh, take a look and keep track and publicize some of your top players uh, throughout the. Because I think this is going to be the future of 40K is these local circuits. Um, they really focus in because there's a lot less of the national travel as we've seen in the past. And um, great way to meet players in your local area and um, promote the game. Uh, within you know who are the top rankings in your neck of the woods yep so speaking of getting events added to the rattler cup um there's a potential of a certain event happening in texas that may or may not be able to be included depending on if you're able to find out all the logistics there Eric. yep but so if you basically if you're worried about how do i create my own uh, circuit and all that. If you have the PCP events, basically, if you you can download, there's a third app which no one ever talks about, and it's called the uh, Best Coast Pairings Event Suite, and it allows you to actually create your own circuits. The key thing with that is once you set it up, is that as a, if a TO in your area, and you can add these TOs to your they ha- when they create an event, they have to click on Are you part of a circuit? By default, you're part of the ITC circuit, but there's a second option there, and it's by clicking on that. Doing it after fact is a little tricky. It's a little beyond my kung fu, so I do need some help from customer service at BCP, and they've been very accommodating. So it's something I will be exploring this week and how to see if I don't have to call them for every time I have to screw up. But um, it makes it really interesting. And yeah, I can keep track of 
top scores and you can also do hobby track as well so you can keep who's the best in your hobby track in your local area so all forms of competitism competitive competitive play is what i guess i'm trying to say uh can be done at your fingertips and it does not take a lot of you don't have to run a thousand events if you're already running a lot of events using the event suite you can set this up and create your own network well speaking of which i actually did exactly find that app on the iPhone app store. So maybe this will help me look at it. Otherwise it is what it, it is. is what it is. So one last thing I wanted to bring up. So we've been talking so much about the scourge, the, the, the nightmare that is Harlequins. There's a good chance that they may not be the same army uh, by the end of the week. So we wanted to give a couple players their due. So and currently in first uh, top three players in Harlequin ranking so far this season, Simon Shoop. Uh, third place, Trent Diesel. No relation to Vin. Uh, in second place, and Levi Ulmer are their top three Harlequin players in the ITC currently. And uh, we'll see as that progresses if who, what new names pop up there. But um, curious to see what changes we will see with this balanced data sheet. Well, if it's going to be any kind of inclination of um, how they like how they affected orcs, where they limited the amount of data sheets that you can take and how many different kinds, that kind of thing. Uh, obviously, everyone is talking about the void weavers yep. are the are the Gunboats. vehicles that everyone's using. Okay, yeah. So everyone's complaining about those, wants them to be either erased or not. But you give you an idea. Um, so just, just how bad or how strong it is. So in my Drakari army, you know, it was always you took like maybe one Ravager. And it was and that was that's the gunboat. It looks like a raider. And I can either put have my choice of either three dark lances or three disruptors, which is the three shot strike five AP minus three, two damage variety, or you can mix and match however you want one of each, two of each, whatever you want to do. And that comes in at about 140 points, depending on little doodads that you add on to it for 180 points. I can get two void uh, weavers. Not only do I get to put a prism cannon on there, so I don't have to choose between a lance or a disruption weapon. I get both. And I can choose that because it has two firing modes. So right off the bat, I also have two shuriken cannons, which I always forget to use in the gameplay. It's maybe why my win-loss record isn't what it needs to be right now. So it has those two underneath. Okay, great. So firepower, it's got two options, which you're paying for an extra 30 points for. I could just get a Reaper. This is where the Harlequin thing goes off the rails. It's minus one to hit natively. And... You cannot re-roll hits versus this particular target. Okay, a little hard to hit. I get it. Then you, if you make it light, which most of these, so that's one of the uh, chapter tactics of the Harlequins at this point. By doing so, uh, if they are more than 12 inches away, if you're firing from more than 12 inches away from this thing, they basically have transhuman to hit. Any roll of a one, two, or three is an automatic miss. Yep. But wait, it gets better. The icing on top, or the cherry on top, I should say, if you have the uh, Psyker from the Harlequins, the, the Shadow Weaver, and you're using light, he can cast a, I believe it is a, yeah, Fog of Dreams, I believe it's called. I forgot which one Psychic Power it's called. The long short of it is, if it's not the closest model, you can't shoot it. So he can protect one of them from actually not being shot. That's one unit of... So I'm only talking about two right now. And it's equivalent points for one Ravager from Jakari. You can take these in squadrons of three. And you can take... If you're taking a battalion, that means you can have nine of them on the table. Yep, sure. Sounds like a fun time for sure, don't it? So when, like, Robert and you and I played, I had two of them on the table. And they did decent damage to your your stowed bikes. Because remember, we were joking. If I had a third one, I would probably taken out a unit, you know, if I mm -hmm. now imagine having three of those units on the table. Oh yeah, no, it's it's like how I pointed out where if you had the 
if you had more shots, I would have a whole bunch of issues. So it's an interesting dilemma, and I'm not sure if, uh, I'll be honest with you with this data slate, if they just go, oops, it's not a squadron of one to three anymore. It's only a squadron of one. Uh, you still have the, the, the bikes are still really good with the Haywire cannons, I forgot bullet glaive. So, and they are core, so they also can still benefit from all these shenanigans that they cannot be shot from tw- more than 12 inches away. So uh-huh. we'll see. So, yep. And honestly, whatever they do, it's just gonna hopefully make the game a little bit better. That's all we can hope for at this point. At least they're listening. At least they're trying. Um, it wasn't that long ago where we were just flat out ignored and it'd be a bunch of neckbeards in a crowded room would come up with their own FAQ and then there'd be five other five FAQs across the country trying to figure out how to fix this problem. So uh-huh. it's a lot better than when it was. So be patient. It's a game. And uh, but I get it. It's a passion, and uh, we we love it very much. And it will get better. It'll just take some time. So, yeah. But otherwise, let's just keep trying to enjoy this game, shall we? I still do. So on that note, I will get some more games in this week. Uh, Robert sounds like you've already lined up a couple games already. So we'll have more news next week. In the meantime, my name's Eric, and thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast. <laughs>